Hey, welcome to the Lifehouse Newport News podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring life change through Christ to all people. And we believe that happens when people say yes to Jesus, do life together, get in the game and leave a legacy. If this podcast inspires and challenges you to grow in your faith, subscribe to ensure you don't miss a single episode and share it with someone you know who may need it too. Again, thank you for joining us today. Now, let's get to this week's episode. So we are continuing and finishing up today our series, My Testimony, which has been a series looking at the vision of Lifehouse and taking somebody within our church that has, that has embodied that part of our vision and telling you their story, telling you their testimony, right? And we have been diving into the vision of Lifehouse, which is uh, to help all people experience life change through Christ by following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game, and leaving a legacy. I want to share that with you one more time. The vision of Lifehouse is to help all people experience life change through Christ by following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game, and leaving a legacy. The past three weeks, we've talked about following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game, and today I want to talk to you about leaving a legacy. What does that mean in the context of Lifehouse? Leaving a legacy. Who, who in your life, if, if you would just share and put it and put it in the comment section, who in your life would you define as somebody that has left a legacy? Who, who in your perspective, from your viewpoint in your life, that could be your mom, your dad, it could be a coach, it could be a political figure, it could, it could, it could be a plethora of, of different things, but who in your sphere of influence has left a legacy? And really the, the truth is this, it can be a good or bad legacy, but somebody that has impacted your life and you would define as being someone that left a legacy. Write it in the comment section right now, we, we would love to, to see that. But within the context of Lifehouse, we see someone that is that has left a legacy as somebody that is living their life in light of their last day, that is living their life in light of the fact that one day they will stand before God and give an account for how they lived their life and what they did with what they had. Because the truth is this, right? If you live with an eternal mindset, you'll treat, you'll treat temporary things differently. If you live with the mindset that one day you will spend eternity somewhere with somebody. It will help you to treat your temporary stuff differently. But honestly, when I look in scripture, I see the encouragement and the exhortation for us as followers of Jesus Christ to live in light of our last day and to answer the question, what kind of legacy are we going to leave behind us, right? Just think about this, Psalm 90, 12. It says this here, the writer uh, of, of Psalm Asaph says this here. He said, teach us, and this is a prayer, teach us to realize the brevity of life that we may grow in wisdom. What he's saying is help us to see how short life is so we will know, so we will treat what we have in our life differently. But he says, grow in wisdom, essentially saying that I will have the wisdom to use what I have with purpose. And that's what I see here. And that's why it's one of the parts of our vision. 
is we want people that call Lifehouse home to live with an eternal perspective, to live in light of their last day that then challenges them and encourages them to take everything that they have been entrusted with on this planet and live it and use it in light of their last day. Now, obviously, this is challenging, right? Each week we've talked about different challenges to seeing this part of the vision come forth. And I wanna give you three, three, three challenges that I see to us as individuals and corporately as Lifehouse being somebody that leaves a legacy and lives in light of our last day. First off, our culture tells us to live for the here and now and not in light of eternity. And I mean, honestly, like what part of our culture is telling you, you should live for eternity and you should live with this mindset of delayed gratification, right? No, what our culture is telling us is live for YOLO. It's all about you right here, right now, what you can get, have all the fun you have. It's about you. Just do you boo-boo. And if you do you boo-boo, then you will live the best possible life possible. There, there is not any messages within our culture telling, telling you, hey, live in light of your last day because one day you will stand and give an account to God for how you lived your life. Uh, that's what your culture is telling you. And we live in a culture of right now. I mean, we live in a culture of getting immediate feedback, immediate pleasure, immediate food, immediate whatever. And I mean, just, just think about the process at Chipotle, right? Which honestly, right now, I want to know if you would write in the comment section, are you a Chipotle person or are you are a Moe's person? In the comment section, write, write, write that. We want to know who's the wheat, who is the chaff. Okay, I'm just kidding. But at the same time, this is always a ward that my family and I have, whether it's Moe's or, or Chipotle. I'd probably say I go either or depending on, on the day, but I'd probably go more toward, probably go more towards Moe's, but that's, but that's neither here nor there. Here's the thing, right? You go to Chipotle and you go up and you get in line and you say, burrito, black rice, or not, not black rice, Jesus, help, help me, black beans, brown rice, veggies, chicken, right? And basically you go down the line and you give them your order, and in 90 seconds, you have a burrito full of rice, sour cream, chicken and steak, peppers, pico de gallo, I'm getting hungry, pico de gallo, like you've got a burrito that honestly, the processes and what it took to get to that point of getting it to a place where you could actually get the burrito made is absolutely incredible but the time it took for you to just walk through a line ask for a burrito and get one was seconds but do you know how many hours and trucks traveling and process and processes it took outside of just you standing there ordering it took to get that burrito to you but we just all we do is we get the burrito after we get the burrito after we say it what is this training us to do just everything is here and now, and it's teaching us to focus on the here and now instead of seeing and realizing that things can take time, that things are not always immediate. And that's why we've got to be careful when we're challenging you to live in light of your last day. You've, you've got to have this balance of saying, man, I'm being trained to live a certain way that is not in accordance with God's word. To leave a legacy, it can take time. 
and sacrifice. And it's not always about gratification right here and right now. That's one of the challenges that I see. Secondly, though, we live in a culture that tells you what success is. I mean, we live in a culture that has a completely definition of what success is than what God says. Success in the kingdom of God is who you are and what kind of person you are becoming. That is what Jesus focused on. He said the kingdom of God is within you. And what he focused on, success was not what you gained. Success is not what you own. Success is not what's in your bank account. Success is not what kind of car you drive. Success is not what kind of house you live in. But success is what kind of person you are and what kind of person you are becoming. And that's, that's why when we're saying what kind of legacy are we going to leave and we want to be people of, of, of leaving a legacy, we've got to ensure we've got the right definition of what success is. And Jesus defines that for us. He def- it's not about what you get, it's what you give. He, def- he defines success as not what you gain, but what kind of person you are. He defines success as loving, not hating. He defines success as being a person of forgiveness and not unforgiveness. We've got to ensure that when we are saying what is success, we have a cultural idea that knows what that is. And then we have a kingdom idea of what Jesus says. And that we are in alignment with the the view and the definition of success that Jesus had. But also too, we live in a culture of comfort. We live in a culture of comfort where this world is literally trying to make you as comfortable as you can. We got comfort food, we got comfort zones, comfort. I mean, we are a culture of comfort. And unfortunately, what that can do is train us to think if we are not comfortable, then maybe we're not doing God's will. We can almost equate comfort with doing God's will. And from what we see in Jesus's life is most of the time when doing what God's best and what God's will is, it will put you in uncomfortable situations and places. And that's what I'm saying is that leaving a legacy many times requires sacrifice where you are going to be out of your comfort zone. And here's the thing. If you just equate God's will with whatever is comfortable, it will be hard for you to be a person that lives in light of your last day, because living in light of your last day will require you to get out of what you deem as comfortable. But here's the thing. Whenever we talk about a legacy, it's, we can't not talk about Jesus. I mean, if there is anyone that left a legacy on this planet, that really, in so many ways, shape, and form, did not make sense, it was Jesus. Why? This is what Driscoll says, Mark Driscoll says about Jesus. He says, at first glance, Jesus' resume is rather simple. He never traveled more than a few hundred miles from his home, never held a political office, never wrote a book, never married, never had sex, never attended college, never visited a big city, and never won a poker tournament. Said, yet more songs have been sung to him, artwork created of him, and books written about him than anyone who has ever lived. In fact, Jesus looms so large over human history that we actually measure time by him. Our calendar is divided into years before and after his birth. Like if you were to take Jesus's life and put our cultural markers of, of success and put it up to the kind of life Jesus lived, it would not make sense that Jesus left an incredible legacy. But I think this should actually speak to us and say, man, If we're Christ followers, if we're people that proclaim the name of Jesus Christ, we've got to ensure that we just don't look at some other great leaders in our society and say, what kind of legacy did they leave? We we look at and go to the 
example of what kingdom success, of what God-like success is, and that is embodied in Jesus Christ. And we say, what was it about Jesus that he impacted the world like no other person this planet has seen? Where right now there are more people worshiping, there are more people worshiping Jesus than any other person on this planet, than any other God. I think if we're truly going to say, how can we live in light of our last day? The most important person we've got to look at, view, and take note of is Jesus himself. And I want to give you four things that practically that you can do when we're saying, how do we leave a legacy? And then we're going to tell you a story, a testimony uh, about how you leave a legacy. The first thing is this. You've got to define your audience. Essentially, you've got to say, who are, with your life, who are you trying to please? Because when you look at Jesus' life, there were a lot of people that tried to get Jesus to please them. You had the religious leaders. So they wanted Jesus to be this, this great teacher of the law, this great really religious leader. So they wanted Jesus to be like them. And then you had Jesus's followers that wanted him to be a political leader. So they were like, hey, we're in this Roman government. If you just be a strong, powerful king, then man, then yes, Jesus, please conform to being a political leader. But what you see in Jesus's life, he had an audience of one. And that was what his father in heaven wanted and called him to be. Jesus lived with an audience of one. He lived with an audience of one where Jesus would often say, I'm doing my father's will. I'm doing my father's business. Even from a very young age when Jesus was lost and his parents could not find him. And then his parents found him. He said, hey, uh, I was doing my father's business. Jesus was about his father's business. But you can also see Jesus was very secure in his identity as, a, as the son of God. And we can see this from when Jesus was baptized. right? You can actually read and see in Luke 3.21 verses uh, in verse 21 and 22, we can actually see Luke's account of Jesus being baptized. This is what it says. It says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love with you. I am well pleased. Now, the, the important thing to realize about when Jesus was baptized is this was before he started his public ministry. So this was before he stepped into his calling. So we can see, even before Jesus did anything for his father, anything about his father's business, he was reaffirmed by his father of his identity as a child of God. Why is this important? Because when Jesus was affirmed as of his identity as a child and son of God, even before he did anything, it let Jesus live without anything to prove to anyone else. And what the person that he said, I have been approved by my father and I'm going to live in light of who my father says I am and what my father says I can do and who my father says that I can be. Because of that, he did not have to live to please or live for the voice or the audience of anyone else besides his father. And that gave him security. That, that gave him courage. That gave him boldness that gave him direction that 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 gave him vision that that gave him purpose and what you can see here is 
Jesus was not concerned about pleasing every, everyone else because he was consumed with pleasing, with, with pleasing his father because he knew even before he did a thing, his father approved of him. And some of you right and some of you right now, you are, you are living a life consumed by the here and now and not even thinking in light of your last day because you are trying to prove something to people that you don't even like. You are trying to prove something to somebody that told you in the past you couldn't be this or you couldn't be that or you would never be anything. So you are living your life for the approval of someone else's voice besides God. And in turn, you're living for the here and now instead of living in light of your last day when you will stand before God and give an account to him, not, not an account to one of these temporary human beings that in the light of eternity, their voice means nothing. And so here's the thing, you've got to determine if you wanna live a legacy life that leaves a legacy, you've got to get your marching orders and your approval from God himself. Why? Because then that gives you security in your heart, mind, and, and soul where it doesn't matter who else you prove something to or who else you impress. You've got the validation and approval from the God of heaven and earth and that is the only one that you will ultimately need when you stand in your last day before God. I hope you're, I hope you're catching this. Is that as a child of God and the way that we get into God's family is not by what we do, it's by what has been gifted to us. That's what salvation is. Salvation is a gift. What it says in Ephesians 2, that, it, that God's grace is not something you can earn. For God's grace is a gift and it's given to us by grace, meaning you can't earn it, through faith, meaning you trust and you are gifted. You are given, not because of your good works, you are gifted the opportunity to receive the opportunity to be a child of God. And it's this security that Jesus himself lived and that we can follow in, which then does what helps us to push out every other voice and say, I want to be about my father's business. When you have the approval and validation of the father, you ain't got nothing to prove. And some of you are trying to live for your father's approval. And you know what? Your father, it's killing you because you're, you're trying to please somebody that is finite, that you were that you will probably never please, but, but ultimately God's validation is waiting, is waiting there for you. He's waiting there to give it to you, to give you salvation, to save your soul, and to give you security so you can live from a place of not having to prove anything to anyone else. To leave a legacy, you've got to be secure in your identity so you won't live your life for someone else's voice. Secondly, though, to leave a legacy, you've got to embrace sacrifice. And Jesus shows this. We can see that from Jesus's life, leaving a legacy means that you are embarking on a road of sacrifice. Isn't this what we see at people's funerals that have truly inspired us? That we get inspired by people who embraced a hard road for the betterment of somebody else. Seriously, those are the people we celebrate. Those are the, are the people that in deep inside of us, we long to be. But this is who Jesus was. This is the kind of life that Jesus lived. Nobody had more privilege and power than Jesus, yet nobody put 
aside and put down someone's privilege and power for the benefit and sake of somebody else. I love what Paul says here in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 through 11. It says this, talking about Jesus. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He, he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names, that is the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and, on, and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You can see this. Jesus was able to leave a legacy and you and I will be able to leave a legacy whenever we embrace a path of sacrifice where, where we all take whatever privilege and power we have been given and we lay it down for the benefit and sake to elevate, lift up, and honor someone else. That word privilege is a buzzword now. And I mean, it's a buzzword filled with so much, uh, so much, uh, I don't know what you would say, an animosity. It's a very loaded, it's a, it is a very loaded word. But the point is this, right? Privilege, whatever privilege you have, economical, social, relational, whatever power or privilege you have been granted or given, you are called to take that as followers of Jesus and instead of saying, I've got this privilege and power, therefore I am better than someone else and I'm going to use it to dominate or rule somebody else. We are called as followers of Jesus to say, how can we take this privileged position or power position that I have and use it to benefit, love, and serve somebody else? Some of you, you have been privileged financially. And you say, you know, I've worked hard, I've gotten here, and I've earned this. Yeah, you know, praise God you've done it. But at the same time, God has put you in that position, not for your benefit or just for your blessing. God is in saying one day you will be held responsible for what you did with what you had. He's going to ask, what did you do for somebody else? How did you benefit the outcast? How did you benefit someone else that was below you? Why? Because the example we see in Scripture is Jesus himself. No one had more power. No one had more privilege. Yet no one laid it all aside for the benefit of you and me. He had the privilege of heaven, the power of heaven. Yet he laid it aside and he came to earth, took on human form and lived like us. Experienced what, what, experienced what we experienced. Therefore, as followers of Jesus Christ, if we're going to leave legacies, we have to follow in that same path and say, how are we gonna embrace the road of sacrifice and take our privilege and power and lay it down for the benefit and sake of someone else? Thirdly, Jesus, Jesus prioritized people. At the end of your life, it's not gonna matter what you owned, how much is in your bank account, what your stock portfolio was, how your handicap was in golf, but how you treated and loved people. Why? People matter to God more than anything. You say, what is the most valuable to God? I can tell. I can tell how valuable something is by what somebody is willing to pay for it. And Jesus gave his son for people. He died for people. You can see this in Jesus's life. There's this one account in Matthew 9, 36, where it's talking about Jesus. Thousands of people are following him. And Jesus says this, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them 
because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw the people. And here's what I think we're struggling with in this culture is not, like, not seeing, seeing people, but seeing people. Not just seeing their physical appearance, but having the godlike discipline and the godlike empowerment to see the complexity, the burdens, the stories of people. And what I think because we're just thrown news and we're constantly scrolling on Facebook and we're just consistently being bombarded with so many crazy stories, crazy messages, that we're almost developing compassion fatigue where we're not able to see as Jesus does because we're, we're just being bombarded and we're just like, how can we emotionally take this? But that's, but that's why you've got to stay close to Jesus. Because honestly, I believe the only way that you will see people the way that God does is if you are close to him. Because when you're close to him, you get his heart and his heart is people. And that's, what, that's why my prayer for you right now is that you would see, you know what? This is what we're going to do. And I never do this. I'm, I'm going to pray for you. If you say, John, I need to start to see people the way that God sees them. I want, I want you just to right now put in the chat section, me, or just put a hand or clap. I don't care. Just put something. I want to pray for us right now. I'm not closing. But at the same time, I just feel led by the Holy Spirit to pray for you. Let's pray. If you, if you need God's help to see people the way that God that God sees them. Join me in prayer right now. Holy Spirit, I pray right now. Father God, for each person watching, I pray if their desire is to see people differently, I, I pray that even today and tomorrow, God, there would be a change and shift. Maybe not in circumstances or situations, but there would be a change in their perspective and how they see people. I pray they would see people the way that you see them. God, that you would give them a, a heart like Jesus to not just see the people, but see the people and have compassion on them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus' life was about people, y'all. You can see this in Jesus' life, man, as you go through the Gospels. You can see how he took Samaritans, the poor, the rejects, the sinners. You can even read an account in Luke 15, 1, where, it's, where it, says, it says this here. The, the writer Luke points this out. He said, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Sinners were attracted to Jesus and they gathered around him and he had the religious, oh man, look at him, he eats with tax collectors and sinners. Why? Because Jesus' heart was for people. He said, I'm not gonna let nothing keep in my heart from people. If you wanna leave a legacy, you need to be about people. Be about people. You know, I love what Philip Yancey says here. He's talking about Jesus. He said, Jesus was the first world leader to inaugurate a kingdom with a heroic role for losers. <laughs> he spoke to an audience raised on stories of wealthy patriarchs, strong kings, and victorious heroes. Much to their surprise, he honored instead people who have little value in the visible world, the poor and the poor and meek, the persecuted and those who mourn, social rejects, the hungry and thirsty. His stories consistently featured the wrong people as heroes, the prodigal, not the responsible son, the good Samaritan, not the good Jew, Lazarus, not the rich man, the tax collector, and not the Pharisee. As Charles Spurgeon expressed that his glory was that he laid aside his glory and the glory of the church is when she lays her respectability and her dignity and counts it to be her glory to gather together the outcast. If you want to leave a legacy... Follow Jesus' example. 
of making it about people. Making it about people. Lastly, live with the end in mind. Live with the end in mind. There, there, there is a great scripture in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2, where it says about Jesus, Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Where essentially saying Jesus was able to go through in his life what he went through because of the joy he thought about in the end. That because he knew what his final destination was and because he knew what the eternal reward was, it empowered him and strengthened them to endure and take on the suffering of the cross. Why? Because he had you in mind. His life was saying, I'm going to live my life for the benefit of those that I haven't even met yet. I'm going to live my life and use what I have been entrusted with for the benefit of those that I have not even come in contact with yet. And he was thinking about you. And what if we had a church full of people doing the exact same thing? Instead of bowing to the the culture's definition of what success is, instead of bowing to the culture's definition of just uh, living in light of the here and the now, instead of bowing to the culture's pressure of trying to be people of comfort, we said we're going to live in light of our last day and because we know what the last day holds and because we know one day we're going to stand before God and give an account one day, we're going to live our life with the end in mind and we're going to say, you know, because Jesus knew what awaited him, he was able to endure a life of sacrifice and pain. Lifehouse, what if we left a legacy who we as people knew our identity so we didn't have to prove anything to someone else? That we embrace sacrifice that we prioritize people, but we live with the end in mind. We want to tell you a story really quick of somebody within our church that we have seen God use incredibly to leave a legacy in people's lives. Check out this story. My name is Arnina, and I am a second grade teacher at um, Deer Park Elementary right here in Newport News. And um, I know, I've known that I want to be a teacher for a long time. I think it was always there. Even though when I went to school, I studied architecture. Um, my mom was a teacher. Her mom was a teacher. Her mom was a teacher, and it was just—it was just something that, um, you know, I've always been passionate about. I've always been passionate about uh, just educating the youth and um, and the and the kids in particular. I mean, I love my middle schools, love my high schoolers, but it's something about like preschool, elementary. I feel like you know, it's during that foundational age that you know we can have that big, that big impact, and so. Um, when I was younger, I went to the girls' club, and it's just, it's just something that clicked. I mean, um, I was used to like playing around with the kids, and I always wanted to, you know, help out um, with the classes. And, that, and then, actually, when I went to high school, I ended up teaching at the girls' club. And so, um, education has always been a passion of mine for as long as I can remember. Our Nina is Nina to us. She became. Aunt Nina to my children uh, when they were born. She was there. She was one of the few people um, that were there because we don't have family here. And when we met her mom, she became our family. I've gotten to know her over the past 16 years and see how she um, is just one truly amazing human being. It doesn't matter where you see her, she's the same person. She gives freely of her time, of her talents. 
We were just joking about her carb, and I know she's probably gonna kill me, but it, she's ready for everything. She doesn't mind stepping in to help. She doesn't want the spotlight. You know, she heads up different clubs and she volunteers her time after school for kids who need extra help. It's interesting, you know, growing up how society has you thinking, especially as a woman, that um, you have a specific role that you have to fill. Like, you grow up, you get married, you have kids, and you know, that's how you can make that lasting impact. But um, I've been sharing with, especially some of the women in my, in my women's group, that, you know, God has a purpose no matter what. He has a plan for us no matter what. I know that she hasn't found Mr. Right yet, but he's out there. We're still praying about that. Um, but, uh, and she doesn't have children of her own, but she has um, adopted mine as, you know, her own. And, um, and not just mine, every friend that she has who has children, she becomes some integral part of their their life. It's really important to know who you are in Christ outside of relationships, outside of having kids. And with being an educator, that's one of the things that I get to um, get out of it. You know, yes, when I got older, I did want to have kids and get married and those kind of things, but I could still have a lasting impact with our youth outside of a marriage, outside of that type of relationship. I can still have an impact at church, at school, in my community, and with my family. And so um, I just, you know, share with the women, just know who you are in Christ and um, know that a relationship, a man, uh, even having your own kids, it does not define you. Um, she doesn't miss birthdays. She doesn't miss Christmas. She doesn't miss baseball games or soccer games or swim meets for our children or um, basketball games. She um, pours into our lives and her other friends' lives and our children's lives. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter that she doesn't have her own kids. At this point, she's still pouring into all these other, you know, avenues. So a lot of people associate leaving a legacy with um, money and fame and inheritance um, and even status. Um, but Arnina is the perfect reminder that you don't need all that to make a difference. Come on, Lifehouse. Let's give, let's, give, let's give God praise. We're so excited about what God's doing in Arnina's life. But Lifehouse, what if we all collectively, individually and corporately said, we wanna be people that leave a legacy, that are secure in our, in, in our identities as children of God, so we don't gotta prove something to someone else, that we know we embrace the path of sacrifice, that we willingly take our privilege and power and lay it down for the benefit of somebody else, that we prioritize what God prioritizes and that's people and that we live in light of our last, they live with the end in mind, knowing what awaits us will empower us and strengthen us to deal whatever we endure. So look, that's the call today, that's the challenge today, is being people, knowing that experiencing life change through Christ is helping people leave a legacy. Thank you again for joining us today. If you need prayer, have any questions about what you just heard, or said yes to Jesus for the first, second, or third time today, please reach out to us at lifehousenn.com or text 757-690-2401. We'd love the opportunity to pray for you and help guide you through the next steps in your faith journey. In the meantime, we hope you'll join us online next Sunday at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at lifehouseonline.com or in person for a live worship service at 8.30 a.m. or 10.15 a.m. 
at the Regal Kiln Creek Theater in Newport News, Virginia. Visit LifehouseNN.com for more information or to reserve your live worship service spot today.